Hey there, I'm Beth Connors, a midwife and mom of two, but also your birth bestie. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into everything you need to feel confident, prepared, and in control from baby bump to delivery room, from practical tips to personal stories. We'll cover it all so you know exactly what to expect every step of the way. Let's get into it. Welcome back to episode 17 of Your Birth Bestie podcast. Today we are talking about GBS or group beta strep, what it is, why it's often tested for, what is treatment like if you're positive and if it's actually necessary, and then a few other pieces of information to know about as you are navigating your own pregnancy. And I wanted to give you just a quick background of my own personal experience with being GBS positive with both of my pregnancies and having two hospital births. With my first daughter, I was tested at 36 weeks in the clinic. I was positive, knew they recommended IV antibiotics during labor, which required an IV on admission, and I just went with the flow. But if you've listened to my birth story for her in episode two of this podcast, you'll remember I was convinced to get a cervical exam by my midwife at my 39-week appointment. And then because I was almost seven centimeters dilated without knowing that I was in labor, I was rushed from the clinic to labor and delivery for an induction, and that meant antibiotics were given to me right away. And we'll talk about the recommendation of getting two doses of antibiotics in before your baby is born. So that for me was done all right away without me really consenting to anything. That was really just the standard practice and I accepted it. And then with my youngest, I had a lot more information, but I have even more now because, of course, we're always learning from new perspectives. But at that time, I felt I made an informed decision and planned for antibiotic treatment in labor when I was found to be positive again at 36 weeks, despite my efforts of taking probiotics to help reduce the risk. The antibiotics were started when I was admitted into the hospital again, but I was aware of the plan this time and felt comfortable with this choice. And I talk about this birth story in episode four, and I had agreed this time to an elective induction because again, I was seven centimeters dilated without labor starting, even though I had been having mild contractions for weeks. And if this was my situation today, I definitely would have waited for labor to start. But in the moment, I was good with this plan. And I was admitted and IV penicillin was started right away for GBS. And I agreed then for my water to be broken once that first dose was in. But when my water broke, labor went from zero to 100. And I was holding my baby just 45 minutes later. So there was no time for dose number two of the antibiotics. It was an uncomplicated pregnancy and delivery. We were both healthy. It was a great experience. Because I didn't get the recommended two doses of antibiotics, I was told I could not go home for 48 hours or that my baby couldn't be discharged for 48 hours. I had the most amazing birth experience and literally like two hours after she was born, I was ready to go home. It was just this amazing post-birth endorphin high, but really anyways, the pediatricians were telling me that I had to stay for my daughter to be monitored because she didn't get the antibiotics in utero, so was at an increased chance of infection. And I will talk about that later, but I was very, very irritated in the situation. I knew the risks. I wanted to monitor my baby at home, and I was comfortable doing that. And I'm grateful for having prompt access to emergency care if it was needed. 
So in that situation, I signed AMA forms or against medical advice to leave the hospital at 24 hours postpartum because I didn't get the full treatment of antibiotics. I was comfortable leaving, but my providers were really not comfortable that I was making that decision. It was such a struggle leaving and several pediatricians came in to inform me and I'm sure it was, you know, cover your butt kind of situation, but it was really a lot and extra stress that I did not need. And I wanted to share this because the decision of treating GBS, just like making any other decision in pregnancy or during childbirth, is uniquely yours. You can listen to what I have to share in this episode too, to best make the choice that you feel most comfortable with. And I will share statistics that show testing all women and treating those that are positive with GBS with IV antibiotics is, you know, the best method for reducing the rate of newborns who develop GBS disease, which can be fatal. But even though that sounds scary, it is very, very rare. So just like with every choice that you make, I want to be sure that you are informed and confident with the potential interventions in labor and feel empowered to have an autonomous hospital birth experience. So let's start with what is GBS. And this stands for group beta strep, which is a bacteria naturally found in the digestive and reproductive tract of both men and women. And it's completely normal. It's not an STD or an infection and usually doesn't cause any symptoms in pregnancy. About 25% of women are what we call colonized or positive with GBS during pregnancy when it is screened for at the end of pregnancy, usually at your 36 or 37 week prenatal appointment. And GBS is easily tested for with a swab at the opening of the vagina and rectum. It just takes a few seconds for your provider to collect this swab or you can actually do it yourself too in the office if that makes you feel more comfortable. And then after the swab is collected, you will have your results in about 48 hours after they see if the culture grows. And these results are predictive for five weeks. So if you have a history of preterm labor, you may be tested earlier. And then of course, if you're tested right at 36 weeks and are pregnant past 41 weeks, you may be retested because that is past that five week mark. So then you get your results and you might wonder, why do we care if they are positive or negative? About 25% of healthy women will test positive for group B strep in pregnancy. And even though it's normal and not dangerous to healthy adults with strong immune systems, babies are different and have immature immune systems. And if infected can cause sepsis, which is an infection of the blood, meningitis or pneumonia. And without antibiotics, about 1% of these babies will become infected with group E strep. And of those, the infection is fatal in about 20% of those babies. So if nobody was treated for group B strep, out of every 1,000 women positive for GBS, one baby would die. If you are positive and decide to be treated with antibiotics during labor, the risk to baby drops from about 1% down to 0.2%. And of course, this sounds very, very scary, but it is rare and usually in developed countries with proper monitoring and quick diagnosis and treatment, it's usually very treatable, even though a NICU stay with invasive testing and treatment would most likely be necessary. 
And now that you know the risks, you have to consider if you're okay being tested and if you'd be okay with treatment. Just like with anything else, nobody can make you do anything. So it's important you consider the risks and benefits and come to your own decision. If you test positive, your doctor will probably recommend that you receive IV antibiotics every four hours during labor, each infusion taking about 30 minutes. And the gold standard is to get at least two doses in before baby is born. But of course, this is hard to time, right? Because we don't know when baby is going to be born, and sometimes labor goes faster than we think, and it just doesn't happen to get those antibiotics. Usually antibiotics are started around when mom reaches six centimeters of dilation, and that would be the textbook definition of active labor, or if the bag of water is broken, antibiotics would also be started. And if a provider is breaking the bag of water artificially as a part of an induction process, antibiotics would typically be given before this procedure is done. So this is what treatment looks like in the hospital setting, but it's also not required. Antibiotics are a medication that can be accepted or refused. It's completely up to you, which means you need to ask yourself, would I rather antibiotics enter my baby in one of the most crucial stages of their life to build up their gut microbiome or lower their chance of infection from 1% to 0.2%? Because yes, the antibiotics given in labor will hopefully decrease the GBS bacteria, but it will also get rid of a lot of the good bacteria that is so important for your baby too. But if you do feel more comfortable treating with those antibiotics to limit the risk of infection from GBS, Know that breastfeeding after delivery in that first hour of life and until at least three months old will really help baby's microbiome develop and improve their immunity and overall health. Any amount of breastfeeding or even feeding of colostrum those first few days is really just so helpful to line baby's gut with a protective layer that helps them against future infections and diseases and really helps those good bacteria develop to contribute to baby's overall health. But what if you don't get treated with antibiotics during labor, whether that's planned or unplanned because maybe labor went too quickly? And what usually happens is the pediatrician will want you to stay at least 48 hours after delivery to closely monitor your baby. It's between 12 to 24 hours after delivery when an infection typically begins to show signs, and that's why a longer stay is typically recommended. But they'll be assessing the baby for signs of infection like fever, irregular breathing, and high heart rate. And in my own experience, I mentioned I left against medical advice at that 24-hour mark after talking with many providers, and in my situation, I had a normal pregnancy and delivery. My baby wasn't showing any signs of infection. She was full term, so greater than 37 weeks. I didn't have any kind of uterine infection. My water was not ruptured for over 18 hours. So basic monitoring was all that was necessary. And they weren't doing anything for me or for baby anyways in those first 24 hours that I was there, besides really helping me with breastfeeding. So I was perfectly comfortable going home and following up with my pediatrician a few days later. And the last thing I want to talk about is how to reduce your chances of testing positive for GBS, or if you can even do that. 
And the fact is that there really isn't strong evidence to say that we can get rid of GBS colonization or prevent it. But taking probiotics may lessen your chance of testing positive. And as a side note, I started my probiotic as soon as I found out I was pregnant because I knew I was GBS positive the first time. And I still tested positive, so it didn't work for me personally. What we do know is that a healthy gut is important, hence the probiotics. So prioritizing a healthy diet as well of fruits and vegetables, incorporating garlic, and a probiotic early in pregnancy can really help with digestion, and maybe it can even lessen your chance of testing positive for GBS as well. And that concludes this episode on GBS. So with that, remember that you have the right to decline anything in pregnancy or labor, whether that's the GBS test itself or the potential treatment if you are positive. This is completely an individual decision based on your beliefs and your risk factors. And if this episode helped you navigating this choice, I would love if you would leave me a review. It is seriously the best way of supporting the show and it would definitely make my day knowing that I could help you out. Take a screenshot of your review and submit it to me at bethconnors.com forward slash review and I will send you a little gift of appreciation. Thank you so much for tuning in this week and I will see you next Tuesday.